Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon. It is Friday and we are bringing you the call. Ten stocks, two experts, one hour. I'm Nadine Blaney. And as always, to those of you watching us on Twitter and YouTube, because of course it's a Friday, we welcome you along. Look, we do this program every day from Monday to Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. And it is always packed full of great analysis and 10 stocks plus a stock of the day. So there's a bit of a bonus in there. And I usually manage to wrangle a bonus buy or two out of my guests as well. Now, speaking of, I've got two guests on tap that you're going to love. Adam Dawes from Sean Partners is joining us remotely. And Carl Capralinga from Think Markets over in Perth. Gentlemen, good afternoon to you. Carl, what's the weather like there in Perth? Uh, we're getting a little bit of a reprieve from the brilliant sunshine that we're used to over here in 18. It's a few, few clouds about, but otherwise, no, it's a nice day. It's enough to make you sick, isn't it, Adam? We've got a bit of a rainy one here in uh, Sydney, but it looks as if the market is having a bit of a better time on this Friday. Lots of time between now and 4 p.m., but it's been a bit of a rough week, yes? Yeah, it has, hasn't it? It's uh, one of those ones where, you know, you sort of think that uh, things are going to be okay, but... Um, yeah, it's been a bit rough and, and certainly AGM season potentially winding up now. We've got a couple more to go. So um, some of those outlook statements have been pretty good, I thought. So I'm pretty happy with what's going on at the moment. Pretty good. But we've seen some pretty savage share price reactions in the wake of AGMs. And that, I think, brings us nicely. Thank you very much to our stock of the day, which is Wise Tech Global. So it is holding its AGM. Now, the company is standing by its revenue and earnings guidance, saying it's also on track to exceed its cost reduction run rate target of between 20 and 30 million dollars over FY22. But shares are down. It is the worst performer, in fact, at 12 p.m. roundabout there in Sydney on this Friday afternoon. Comes, though, after a pretty good month. Uh, Shares have been up significantly, gaining 64 percent on its August low. So let's take a bit of a pulse check on how my guests are feeling about wise tech global now adam to my earlier point we're seeing selling in wise tech global when it seems like a good update coming from the company so is this again an instant of a company being sort of priced to perfection well yeah certainly you can see from that chart that certainly august they had a pretty good run as well on the on the back of uh, um, some, I guess, a good announcement and sort of uh, profits for the full year. But certainly looking at the at the business today, as you say, the revenue line looking pretty good, 18 to 25% growth forecast. So everything looks pretty good. But with a growth style company, you can't miss on anything. They did say there's some uh, foreign exchange headwinds around about sort of 10% or sorry, not 10%, $10 million worth of revenue, some forecasts, uh, some headwinds there. But really at the end of the day, like, I think this one's had a really good run. Um, we, we have started to see some of these tech names getting sold off on the back of, you know, uh, what's happening with inflation, interest rate rises, those kinds of things. So this might be just a little bit of additional for people at the moment. But overall, I think it looks like a, a good AGM result. 
they've definitely reiterated guidance and that gives us a little bit of confidence. Now, the next question you're going to ask me is, is this a buy, hold or sell? I think this is certainly a hold. The only the reason because I think that that inflation uh, issue going forward is going to, it's going to struggle a little bit with that uh, with those higher inflation numbers. So I'd just be a little bit cautious up here at the moment. So Adam knows the rules of the program. It's a buy, it's a hold, or it's a sell. We get to the reasoning behind it. And when it comes to the Osbiz portfolio, a company needs to get two buys on the day from both guests to go in. And I'll update you on that portfolio a little bit later in the program. Both of these guys have had a hand in building it. Um, Carl, back to Wise Tech Global. Uh, you can talk fundamentally, but you can also tell us what the charts are telling us about the momentum behind this name. Well, yeah, I mean, up to today or before today, I would have given this a 10 out of 10 on the charts, Nadine. I mean, it is perfect. If viewers want to know what a 10 out of 10 chart looks like, go grab WiseTech, print it out and stick it on the wall. And when you see that chart, uh, you don't ask questions, you just run out and buy. Uh, today's price action is knocking a 0.1 off that 10 out of 10. Yeah. So it's still a 9.9 .9 out of 10, but I still think it looks very, very strong on the technicals. Um, something that we don't um, we don't experience as much over here, but it's really prevalent if you look at US stocks is um, that they report obviously quarterly. So you, when they have the, um, a great quarterly announcement, you get these big jumps, like these huge gaps on the charts. And, and it's almost like clockwork. If they hold that jump, if they don't trade back into that gap, you can almost guarantee it's going to go higher. And it's very similar, I think, um, for this WiseTech. Uh, that announcement in August, their full year 21 results, did surprise the market. And, and there was probably a bit of an, an element of short sellers in there as well. I mean, that's the rumour going around. Having said that, I can't understand why you would have been short selling it because it was 10 out of 10 before that announcement anyway. So short sellers, if you're out there, learn how to read a chart. Um, today's price action... I think is a blip. I think, um, look, the market was expecting an upgrade to guidance. We got reaffirmed guidance. So I think there's a little bit of a gap there in terms of what the market wanted and what the market got. But I think the underlying story is still the same. And that is one of exceptional growth for a company that, let's face it, is hitting its bull market right now. These guys do supply chain solutions. So, you know, bringing your supply chain uh, into the modern age with, you know, cloud data, up-to-date, you know, uh, tracking of your, your anything you're trying to get around uh, from point A to point B. So uh, this this you know this supply chain issue that the world's experiencing, we're we're at the beginning of this. Um, we're, we're you know we're, we're not at the end of it. So uh, look, I I think I've got a lot of confidence um, in the market's expectations of growth going forward. And the only question mark because we've got a 10 out of 10 chart is the valuation. Um, trading at 180 times uh, FY21 earnings. That's a little eye-watering. It does come down to sort of, you know, into the 50s even by FY25. So that's okay. If the growth is there, um, that PE is going to come down. And it's just up to you as an investor. It's a style issue. Can you stomach that sort of valuation? I can. If you can't, then don't go for it. Um, but I, I'm going to call this a buy. It's a clear buy for me. Buy. Do you worry at all about some of these high-growth names, given we've got even some dovish members of the Fed acknowledging that their thinking may have to change if inflation remains persistent. So we could, in fact, see interest rates going higher. I mean, didn't dent sentiment with the big tech names through the overnight period, but is that something that you factor into your analysis, Carl? 
Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and that's more important, I think, for the companies where earnings are way, way, way down the track. So look, Wisetech, um, look, yes, they're earning big stuff, step of earnings is coming, um, but but they are earning money now. They've got this, this you know, 90% of their revenues are recurring, Nadine. So it's just this bread and butter stuff. They've got less than a 1% churn rate. So um, I, I've got great confidence in those earnings going forward. Yes, the market may have a higher interest rate to discount those earnings by, but I would counter by saying this one is probably Probably a bit of an inflation hedge because of what they do. So where is that inflation coming from? It's coming from the supply chain. Um, and, and this is what, it's their bread and butter. So I think it's a great hedge uh, against that argument. Uh, CPU is another one. You talked about bonus buys before. This is another one that will benefit with higher interest rates and higher inflation. So that's uh, another tech company in that space that counters that trend of, of, of just blanketing uh, higher rates mean, means lower tech stock prices. Uh, it's not always the case. Got it. Thanks, guys. That's the stock of the day, WiseTech Global, but it's not going in the portfolio. Let's get on to the first company that's been nominated by our viewers for you two to talk about, coming from Nick. A bit of background here as well. The stock is Macquarie Telecom, so the ticker code MAQ. He bought at the top of the range after it reported in August. It's been trending downwards ever since. So he's wondering if it's a worthy long-term hold or could he potentially cut his losses and get into something else that perhaps has more growth upside. Adam, I'll start with you. Yeah, this one's been a fantastic story, hasn't it, Nadine? Uh, for, for many, many years, this one has uh, really kicked on and, and will potentially kick on again with obviously a lot of its stuff that it does with governments and corporates, as well as with um, a lot of the voice services and telcos and things like, you know, the stuff that they do. So this is an interesting one because, yeah, it, it, it did, it, well, obviously got up to around about $80 and then it's now started to sort of pull back a little bit. Most brokers have got sort of price targets around sort of $74 to $75. That's where it is today, around $70. So, you know, I think it's probably fairly valued here. I think at the end of the day, you'd look at Macquarie and, and, and it, it, it is a thinly traded stock today. It's only traded 599 shares. So it is a little bit of a tough one. But, the, you know, in saying that, um, the market cap is absolutely ridiculous at one and a half billion, but there's only 21 million shares on issue. So anytime anybody wants to get set on this thing, it will move up and down pretty quickly. I'll be interested to see what Carl says on the techno on the on the uh, on the on the uh, um, fund not the fundamentals, the technology or the the, the charting on this one. Mm -hmm. Technicals. Thank you, Nadine. You're welcome. Uh, it's, I have I've had one coffee today, not two, so uh, <laughs> I should uh, should get prepared for the Osbys viewers definitely. Uh, so, yeah, so I think um, this one looks okay to me. Uh, I prefer smaller uh, telco businesses, and I've been on record saying Aussie Broadband is my pick in that space. I think that one's an absolute cracker and will continue to move on. Macquarie Telecom, a little bit of a, a dinosaur in, in the age of, uh, of the telcos. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I think it's around fair value here. So if I think if you have it, absolutely, you would hold it because I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with the business at all. Uh, I'm just a little bit concerned uh, at that they can't really co compete with these smaller companies that are taking or nipping market share off them at the moment. So uh, for me, it would be a hold, Nadine. Yeah, well, you didn't talk about the data centers that they hold and that they're building, one in Canberra, and they're looking for those long-term government-type uh, contracts, you know, those are their customers. So sticky. And yeah. is that in your sort of thesis for Macquarie Telecom, which admittedly, I don't know if you're, you're a buy, hold or a sell, Carl, talk to us about it. Uh, yeah, I think it is evolving into, into a data center play. 
Um, so telecoms, yeah, Adam's right. They're definitely, um, you know, it's a structural decline in their telecoms business. It hasn't been helped by COVID. Uh, but data centers is, is where it's at. So, you know, put some perspective to it. Um, we're looking at, it's only 7% of revenue at the moment, but it's 26% of EBITDA. Um, the cloud services is 46% of revenue, 49% of EBITDA, and telecoms is still um, a large chunk of the revenue, um, but uh, but it's declining. So it's all about data centers. They had a huge, huge pop back in July on the back of the announcement, they were going to build the IC3 Super West um, just out the back of the existing uh, building there. And that's going to add 32 uh, megawatts of critical IT load. It's just jargon for how much capacity they can um, give to their, their consumers. Uh, and of course, we're talking about talking about data storage and cloud services. And, we, and there is this, you know, you know, I don't have to talk to you about or viewers about this general trend towards obviously storing stuff on the cloud. You mentioned um, they're very lucrative and very sticky government contracts. That's a big um, tick as well. Um, so 32 megawatts of load coming on for which they had 22, uh, I think, before um, to take it to 54. So, so the market said, oh, wow, um, if you're putting on that much capacity, um, you're expecting a huge amount of growth. And they did announce um, not that long ago um, a big um, a big client win uh, on that front as well. Uh, look, it's a growth company. It's price for growth. Um, that's what you have to understand. A bit, bit like Wise Tech, it's great. These two are coming on one after the other because we get to talk about this idea of as an investor, what you're comfortable in paying. So some investors out there are going to say, hey, um, I like my PEs, uh, you know, forward PEs, backward PEs, whatever, at around 10 to 15, that's where I'm comfortable. Um, and that's fine. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. Other investors, um, of which I am one of them, will say, hey, I'm prepared to go as high as it takes if the growth is there to bring that PE down in the foreseeable future. Now, right. the difference between the first investor and the second investor is probably um, your, your, your ability to stomach execution risk. Because if a company is very stable, it's got a very low PE, and, it's, uh, and there's, there's very good visibility in earnings, the execution risk is low. If the PE is high, you have to execute all of the, you know execute on all of your strategies um therefore there's high risk to get to those lower p's down the track so, so yeah. you have to be the, the right person long story short and i know you want to buy hold or sell i'm a hold but only on the on the charting basis i think there's still um, enough in the valuation uh based upon my target pe of about 50 so not 15 but 50 and i think that's that's a sensible way to value this business i think there's uh, a 12 percent upside to about 79 dollars in the fair value um, i've gone with a hold not a buy simply on the fact that the technical picture is in a short-term downtrend it's very much in a long-term uptrend but until that short-term trend starts to tick up with some nice white candles i think you just hang in there if it breaks, there's a little bit of support level there. If it breaks this, it could actually fall into the low 60s, which uh, then I think it becomes crazy cheap down there. So it's just a watch in the short term, but long term, it's going to be a buy at some stage. Got it. Thank you. Now let's get on to the next company on our list, number two, Dusk Group, DSK for Sean. Look, he points out that it doesn't have a very long history on the ASX. We know that. But he reckons it's got a number of things going for it. It's expanding its stores. He knows, though, that there is execution risk. So he th is asking if it's a retailer mm. to buy. And um, do you have confidence in management's ability to execute the store rollout? Adam, let's start with you. It's candles. It's scented goods for the home. It, uh, I guess, benefited from people being at home and making their places <laughs> nice. But does that wane? especially when you go into it and you see, you know, two for the price of one, that kind of stuff? Well, I was going to buy you a candle for Christmas, Nadine, so maybe I won't. 
but anyway, just just wait. It'll be coming at our Christmas party. Um, but look, uh, look um, I think, look, Dusk, I got wrong. Uh, Shore and Partners listed this thing back at, in $2 uh, back in 2020, November 2020. Oh. And gee, time flies when you're having fun. So, look, I got this wrong because I couldn't work out how you could sell that many candles or how you could sell that many air purifiers. But... Look, they've done really, really well. The stock's at $3.05 at the moment. I think this one also, yes, benefited from COVID because obviously their online sales have done well. But then I also think it's a good reopening trade as well. Now everybody's now going to start to get back out to the shops. And these guys have always had the strategy of being in the malls, just like Shaver Shop. You know, they're right sort of next to each other. Um, and obviously when you go in there, you've got to hold your nose because it's pretty smelly in there as far as the <laughs> amount of candles and stuff that go on in there. But that shouldn't be a thesis for your investments. Look, I think this one, um, as I said, I got it wrong at the start. Um, I, we've got a buy on it here at Shore and Partners, so I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with our buy uh, with this one. Um, I think this is a good reopening trade as the malls and and the super centres all start to open up. These guys will do well with just increased foot traffic going forward. So it's a buy from me. Would you be buying Dusk? And I'm not talking about its products. We know that Christmas is right around the corner. Carl, I'm talking, look at the chart. Do you have confidence to Sean's point that management will be able to execute this store rollout? Yeah, I mean, kudos to Sean for mentioning this idea of execution risks. I mean, it's great that as an investor, he's thinking about that. And it's funny, we just had that uh, discussion about sort of what it means and what it means for the valuation you can withstand as an investor. Now, this one, uh, you know, the last two, we talked about 180 and 120 times FY21 earnings. Uh, this one is trading on a very palatable seven times FY21 innings, you know, viewers might say, hey, well, what the, what's going on there? How can something be trading on 180 times earnings? And uh, Carl calls it a buy. Something's only on seven times inning. Carl calls it a hold at best, which is what I'm going to go with on this one. Um, but I do like the stock. I think, I think you know, it's got, got a great opportunity. I agree, I agree with everything uh, Adam says, with one exception. I like going into dusk and I love the smell of the place. <laughs> um, and I certainly get dragged in there a lot. Uh, look, my, uh, my, and I, I don't want to sound sexist or anything at all, but uh, my wife loves a place and she tends to drag me in and I, I tend to, to bide my time in there. But um, my daughter now, who's 12, is now dragging me in. So, uh, you know, you should say, who's going to buy the candles? Well, you know, there's a whole next generation of potential consumers there. Um, and they very rarely discount stuff, Nadine. Uh, I, I mean, every time I go in there, nothing is really that much on sale. We're always waiting for something uh, to go and sell to buy. Anyway, putting the um, anecdotal evidence aside. Um, no, I, I do like the company. Everything's bottom left, top right in their financials. I think the valuation is very very reasonable. Um, I think that PE is too low. I think there's opportunity for growth in that PE. Um, I've got a fair value target of $4, uh, which is 30% upside or give or take. The brokers are at 421, so they're even more bullish than I am. Um, but the question mark is on the chart. So I just think a bit like um, Wise Tech, where we said long-term uptrend, tick, but short-term trend is very, very flat. I'm not seeing that after its recent pullback that the buy the dippers are coming in in force to push the price back up. In fact, the contrary, and here's the best pun. You will not get a better pun today, Nadine. The candles are not looking good <laughs> for dusk. Ah, they are ah, pre ah. predominantly black, and predominantly black <laughs> candles mean greater supply than demand. Um, so I'm a bit concerned about the chart. But it's a hold on a fundamental valuation basis. How long have you been waiting to drop that one, Carl? <laughs> Must have been a Ever while. Since Claudia, Ever yeah, since Claudia yeah, Adam. <laughs> 
I think I think Carl's absolutely is right. Uh, you know that those um, you know it, it, it is looking to struggle. Just to the viewers' point around that execution risk. Now execution risk is is, is twofold. One is that um, you you need to get into the new Westfield or you need to get into the new Supercenter. So you're going to have to pay a little bit more because they're going to charge you. So execution risk is can they roll out now? JB Hi-Fi did a, a really good one many, many years ago, they just basically just rolled out to everywhere. Um, and that obviously, you can't pay too much. And I think that's the risk with this business is that they need to get into these new malls or these centres, and they're going to have to pay a little bit more to get onto that. So absolutely, that execution risk is key of not paying too much of a multiple to get in there, plus then also getting the foot traffic along the side of those stores to make sure people walk in the door. So there is still certainly a bit of that uh, risk with getting those new stores. So yeah, absolutely, it's a good call from the viewer. Uh, we've got a $3.80 price target on it. All right, uh, look, that's Dusk for Sean. Thank you guys, that was good. Now, Atlas Arteria is the next on the list, ALX. I actually don't have the name of who uh, nominated this one, but interesting because we've got some of these toll road operators now being talked about as a hedge against rising inflation. We've also now though got uh, you know, depressing stories of some sort of a fourth wave happening in Europe of COVID, which again is leading to some lockdowns in some countries. Now, not necessarily in France, where I know that they've got some exposure, but still, it does raise that specter of potential, uh, you know, lockdowns. I'm knocking on wood right now. Carl, what do you think about Atlas Arteria? I think your introduction really sums it up very well, Nadine, and I've literally written here in my notes the, the balance uh, risk of risk versus its growth opportunity. Uh, well, those two are very balanced at this point in time, evenly balanced. So uh, I like the inflation angle. Yes, obviously, as um, a lot of their sort of um, their uh, their charges for these toll rows are, are pegged to various inflation rates around the world. Um, so that that's going to give them a little bit of upside repricing power. Their costs are fairly fixed. Um, uh, one of the big questions over these types of uh, companies, of course, who have uh, not so much the company, but the assets have large uh, debt burdens to service the assets over a very, very, very long period of time. Uh, most uh, So if interest rates go up, there's a potential risk there. But with this one, look, um, you know, 85, 90% a fixed rate. They're very, very long duration. So I, I think they're fairly protected against that. Um, the financials check out pretty well. Um, I think that they, they do look cheap here. I've got a fair value target of 725. It's a little bit better than the big brokers there at 690. So it's about 8% upside. Uh, we've got a yield of 5% unfranked. So, unfranked. so from a total shareholder return perspective, you know, add those two together, it's about 13%. So um, that's not bad at all. And the chart is, is turning up. So kind of tick, tick, tick here. Um, it's I think it's a buy if you're a self-managed super fund investor. So longer term, sleep at night factor, look past COVID, people will get back on the roads eventually. It's not a buy if you're a growth investor. So again, horses for courses, I don't know what that means for the portfolio. If you want to know if I would run out and buy it with my money, the answer is no. Um, it's it, it's a hold it if you've got it or a buy if you're that longer term investor. Make up my mind in a minute on that one, Carl. Let's go yep. to Adam Dawes, um, form of an opinion with his input as well as to whether that goes in the portfolio. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, look, I, I, I mean, obviously Transurban is our natural pick for clients. One, because it's here in Australia. Two, we understand the, the, the landscape of investing and we can see these toll roads moving backwards and forwards. We understand what's going on. So Transurban is definitely my buy in that space. 
Certainly, though, uh, looking at the French side of things, and some risk to that French side of things is that they are looking or have been talking about nationalisation of toll roads. So, in other words, bringing them back inside within the government. And that obviously will uh, take 10 years or so. So, And there's an election in France in 2022. So I don't think there's going to be major impacts to, to the road tolls you know, going forward to start with. However, I think it's a risk that you need to be very, very well aware of. Going inside of COVID and going inside of everything else you write with these snap lockdowns and winter approaching, it's going to be a little bit tough. But in saying that, uh, I want businesses that can keep up with inflation because it's a user-pay system. So if, if users are continuing to use it and inflation starting to rise, they can raise their prices, and that's a great edge against inflation as well. Obviously, you've got to be worried a little bit about the currency uh, uh, FX side of things as well, so that's something for you to look at as well. But overall, most brokers, as, as Carl rightly pointed out, are sort of fairly positive on this one, and I think uh, I'd be happy to upgrade it to a buy at the moment due to the inflation issues going forward. Strong yield, as Carl said, also was sort of 7 to 8% yield. I think it's definitely one for the super fund. Put it in the bottom drawer and you'll be okay. I'm calling it a buy from you as well, yep. Carl. It's going in the portfolio. It is yep. a long-term holding that is allowed. So just keep that in yep. mind if you are <laughs> listening. So really no, good. No, also just, keep sorry, in mind no, this is... Pardon, not financial advice uh, just, in particular circumstances, information only. There's my PSA. What were you saying, Carl? I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, uh, I said I wouldn't buy it personally, but that's yeah. because I'm a growth investor. So if, yeah. if yours are wondering why won't Carl buy it, I'm a growth investor. I'm not a self-managed super fund style investor. Yeah, got it. Thanks, guys. Okay, now let's get on to City Chic. So it's an interesting one. It's been caught out a little bit by the supply chain problems. This is for Isaac. Hello, Isaac. But it already stocked about uh, two months inventory in the US and ANZ. Uh, it's looking to expand offshore again. It's, um, look, in some ways becoming a category killer, perhaps. It's doing acquisitions. Mm -hmm. It's really got that, that cor market cornered for the plus-sized woman. Uh, Adam, it's a retailer. It, it does have online exposure. Do all of yep. the various pieces add up for you? Yeah, absolutely. This one's a buy, Nadine, straight out of the box. I think this one uh, is fantastic. Certainly plus-size people, plus-size um, uh, men and women uh, are fantastic with this one. And obviously the US has been their natural growth uh, area in there as well, and that is going to continue. Some of the results might be skewed to a little bit of the second half of 2022, but I think uh, coming out of COVID and doing those kinds of things, they'll do very, very well. Um, the strength in the US will offset some, offset some short-term logistic issues in the UK, as well as then uh, they're looking to do some potentially some earnings per share upgrades going forward as well. But, you know, the other side of this is their online business it does very, very well. Um, potentially plus-size people don't like walking into a plus-size store. So the online side of things, getting it delivered straight to your door, I think it absolutely works really, really well. Uh, this one's been a cracker for us as well as for the market. I'm happy to stay with a buy on this one. Got it. Thank you. How about you, Carl? What are the charts telling us? Uh, the charts look very, very good, yeah. So if um, I look a 9 out of 10 on the chart, perhaps, not as good as WiseTech, but very, very strong, great uh, long-term uptrend, as you can see on screen. And the short-term trend, I like to buy uh, long-term uptrends after a short-term pullback when that short-term trend starts to flick back up again. And that's exactly what you're seeing. So that's why I like it so much. I don't think I can add a whole lot to what Adam said. I mean, mm -hmm. it, you know, exactly spot on, ditto on that. I'll, I'll if anything, emphasize uh, I love um, the online play here uh, as he's, 
for the reasons he said. I love the US growth. I think they've been really proactive with COVID. I think they've, they've managed it well. Fingers crossed it pays off for them with all that inventory, thinking back to Kogan when they loaded up and then couldn't sell it. Maybe there's a risk there. Uh, the only thing I don't like is the valuation. It's not screaming cheap. Uh, but the chart is so good, I'm going to have to go for a buy as well. We've also had it, uh, we've, it's a standing buy here for us as well, so I'm going to stick with that. It's a buy, it's going in the portfolio, City Chic, happy days, it's a Friday, the guys are in a good mood. <laughs> All those people that think we're too negative sometimes, I hope you're watching. It's great to have you along. Look, let's get to number five. We're on number five, New Farm. Now, New Farm obviously had a lot of news out this week. I haven't actually checked in on the share price today. I will do, though, because it got hit really hard in the wake of its update. Uh, a bit of concern, I suppose, over margins, the ability to pass on some of those rising costs to its customers. But then, uh, it, you know, it, it did well yesterday. Noticing, though, that today down about half a percent had price targets cut by J.P. Morgan, by Wilson's, but lifted by Bell Potter and UBS and Morgan's as well. So if you <laughs> can make sense of that for us, Carl, what do you think about New Farm? Uh, yeah, look, I, I think um, if you're a long-suffering shareholder in New Farm, I think uh, the company's in in a much, much better place today than it, than it was even 12 months ago. Uh, I think um, a lot of the risks, I think, now are, um, um, are skewed to the upside rather than to the downside. So I think um, you're on the right side of it. It's just about uh, just just what you're paying again, sort of bringing you back to valuation. I'm a bit being a bit boring here as a technical analyst and talking about value, but uh, you're paying 30 times this year's earnings, um, even with a you know with the bounce back expected um, in FY22. Then it, if you look at um, forecasts, they tend to flatten out after that. Uh, I think it's fair value. Long story short, um, the chart is kind of agreeing with me in that um, it sort of turned a corner on the long term trend but it's not a screaming value buy to, to be then powering that short-term trend higher. So uh, I think there's enough in it to continue to hold it if you've got it, but I would not buy it right now. Mm. How about you, Adam? Is there value in it? I had a good conversation with Kyle McIntyre from Firetrail, who actually is joining us on the last call today. Um, and he's really excited about the long-term story. You know, some of the fundamentals going in its... Uh, favor when we think about fertilizer and growing of crops, but also some of those new areas of opportunity for New Farm to expand into. And I think he was talking about, you know, fish, fish and salmon and all that kind of stuff. What do you think? Yeah, well, that Omega-3 story has been going yeah. on for a while, Dean. So, yeah, I, I, you know, it hasn't really excited the market or it hasn't really sort of really lifted it. And as to Carl's point, this stock has been definitely moving in a sideways pattern. You can pick it up around about, and Carl might be able to tell me a bit of a better point, maybe $4, $4.20, something like that, uh, as, as an entry point into this one. It has certainly been moving uh, along that range. Look, there's a couple of things. They reported underlying profit of around about six and a half, or six, yeah, $65 million compared to $73 million the year before. So it was a little bit lower than expected. Um, and they're obviously talking about uh, the sales period going into the second half of 2022 should be better. We're going to have a pretty wet summer here in Australia. Does that help uh, New Farm? I'm not too sure. Obviously, pesticides are a big part of their business, just, uh, and I'm not a farmer by any stretch of the imagination, but obviously uh, with, with greener crops, potentially you don't need as much um, uh, of those kinds of things. But certainly the risk to the downside is obviously competition going forward, unfavourable weather conditions and litigation against some of its glyphosate 
products, which we sort of don't really talk about a lot uh, on this one. For me, if you have it, uh, I'd be okay to hold it. Entry point would be $4.20. It's certainly not a sell, but it's certainly not screaming a buy to me at the moment. So hold for me. Hold for New Farm. Thank you. That is number five on the list. So you guys, wet your whistles. Actually, actually, Carl, I know it'll annoy people if we don't follow that up. Is $4, $4.20 a good entry part for New Farm? Point for New Farm? Sorry, Carl, to put you on the spot there, mate. We lost. You're on mute, Carl. You're on mute, Carl. Sorry, I sorry, yeah. I didn't want to have the background noise while Adam was talking. Uh, yeah, look, 420 is definitely uh, the swing low from September. It is a major, major area of support. If it got down there, uh, I couldn't buy it on a technical basis because it would be obviously heading in the wrong direction. But on a valuation basis, it means it's um, you know 12 percent upside. So maybe you could do it uh, on that basis on you know on this assumption that the support would hold. Got it. Thank you. I like to wrap things up. Don't like to leave things hanging in any way, shape or form, but take a break. Let me summarize what we've learned so far, guys. And uh, stock of the day, WiseTech, after its AGM, coming under a bit of selling pressure today on this Friday. Adam says that it's got a bit of a headwind in terms of currencies. Uh, he's questioning some of those high growth tech names in terms of rising interest rates. So for him, it's a hold. Carl, though, thinks that today is a blip. He thinks this is an almost perfect chart, close to 10 out of 10. On the technicals, he'd buy it. He believes that the underlying story is still strong because we're obsessed with supply chain and WiseTech does, uh, does allow for the moving of cargo around the world. It is a buy for Carl. Carl's also a high growth investor. Keep that in mind. That brings us to Macquarie Telecom. Carl says it is a hold. Look, on the charts, it's a hold. He actually does see some value in its data center strategy going forward. And he thinks that it could perform well in a rising interest rate environment. And to that, Carl has given us a bonus buy, which is CPU. Uh, now, we've got a hold from Macquarie Telecom from Adam Dawes. His preferred pick is Aussie Broadband in that telco space. He also warns that it's a bit thinly traded. Dusk Group. It is a buy from Adam Dawes. He really likes this. He says it's a reopening trade. Foot traffic will return. I think the price target at Shaw's is $13.80. It will remain in the portfolio because Carl did give it a hold. He says, though, if you look at the charts, it's just short-term trend is quite flat and the candles are not looking very good for Dusk. Okay, Atlas Arteria, risk versus growth for Carl is quite balanced. It gets a tick, a tick, and a tick. It's a buy if you're a long-term hold. So think about all of you out there managing your own SMSF. It's a buy for Adam Dawes as well because he does like the thematics behind it. Transurban, though, is still probably the pick of the bunch at Sean Partners. I did have a conversation with Martin Crabb earlier in the week who's CIO at Sean Partners about Transurban as well. So it's a hedge against inflation. And as a long-term hold, people will be out and about returning to the ro uh, roads, even in this COVID environment and definitely post-COVID as well. So that's in the portfolio. Also in the portfolio is City Chic. So it's a buy from Adam Dawes. He just thinks it's a fantastic business. It's been running itself well. It's got a huge addressable market. It's making all the right moves in the US and online. 
Maybe inventory could become a problem, but uh, Carl again says that it's a 9 out of 10 on the charts. It's very, very good. Not cheap, but it is a buy. And so that too is going in the Ausbiz portfolio. Number five on the list is New Farm. Uh, look, shareholders are in a much better place now if you've already held it, long-suffering, Carl points out. It's uh, looking about fair value in the chart agrees, but he can't bring himself to buy it. Um, it there's not enough value in it. It's uh, not quite a value name for Adam Dawes either. He'd hold it if you were already in the company, so it's a hold from him, but he would look to buy more around that $4.20 range. But Carl... $4.20 would mean that uh, the technicals are pointing down, and so he still wouldn't be a buyer at that price. So that's where we sit at uh, just past 12.30 here in Sydney on this Friday afternoon. Time to check in on our Ausbiz portfolio. Huge thanks to our partner at Trade. All the companies, as you know, they get a two thumbs up or a buy from both of our guests on the same day go in the portfolio. One week up by three-tenths of a percent, so in outperforming. Uh, the, the index this week, monthly up by 2.5%, full year to date up by more than 10%. But we have been tracking this portfolio since July 1st of 2020, and we're up close to 50%. Lately, now this is before today, we added Virtus Health, that was just a couple of days ago, Brambles as well, Capital Health looking good, Ansel is in there, Rhythm Biosciences is in there, but we've taken out Southern Cross Media. Magnus Energy Technologies, PWR Holdings, and Hub24. Hub24 has its AGM next week, so it'll be really interesting to see what they have to say about the state of that really hot area of the market. You can look at this portfolio yourself, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio, and we always update you on how it is tracking. Think having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. Getting on with our list of 10 stocks, Genetic Signatures is on the list, GSS from Rex. I'm going to start with you on this one, Carl. So genetic signatures do... Genetic signatures, yes. Yes, do test kits for a range of... uh, a range of... um, what would you call it? Diseases, viruses, uh, bacterial infections. Pretty much anything that's... that could be bad that can happen to you. They can pretty much test for it using these uh, genetic markers. Um, obviously, their, their big claim to fame over the last 12 to 18 months is the fact that they had this uh, COVID SARS test kit going very, very early in the piece, as early as, uh, or maybe Adam might know the exact date, but I think it was you know, around March or April even uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's caused a huge, huge boom in their um, sales of this particular item. Um, it's a very interesting company. I, 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 you know, I really, really want it to succeed because I love um, Aussie tech and I love, you know, I love Aussie tech conquering the world. And that's hopefully what these guys are going to do. But um, at the end of the day, as an investor, I have to look at the financials and I have to look at the chart and the financials. We're, we're talking about their total bull market. The best case scenario, FY21, um, managed to drag themselves into cash flow positive. They even turned a profit. But if you look at those cash flows, it was very, very lumpy, probably reflecting the fact that there was a wave here or there, depending on which quarter it was. 
Um, the question will be where the COVID testing continues at its current rate. Um, we're going to talk about a company very, very soon that suggests it, it may well do that. Um, but there is huge competition in this space for the for the product they have as well. So um, I reckon they're going to settle somewhere sort of in between this, uh, the, the absolute peak, which was FY21, and their previous uh, pre-COVID level, which I reckon still puts them at best cash flow neutral or even at a small, um, small negative there. They're priced for absolute perfection, 120 times FY21 earnings, which is peak earnings. Without the without the growth, I think they're going to have because the, the rest of the, the the stuff is good, not great in terms of it's the traction it's gaining and the revenues it's generating. I have to say, why would you pay such a huge multiple without the growth? So it's the opposite of the ones we talked about before, where they've got huge multiples but the growth to justify it. So the, the valuation doesn't check out for me, and the chart is reflecting that as well. Long term, short term downtrends, I can't buy it. Okay, so is it a sell? Would you sell it if you had it? Yeah, look, I have to say yes, on the on the basis that um, I'm a growth investor, I can't see the growth, I can't justify mm -hmm. the valuation, the chart's sitting down, if I had it, I would sell it, yeah. Yeah, your money can work for you in other places. Yes. Adam, genetic signatures, would you be buying on behalf of clients? I'm going to go the other side to Carl, I think this one's a buy. Um, and the, the, the reason is, one, I own the stock, so full... Money full where your mouth is, yep. I oh, didn't, didn't know that in oh, advance, sorry, to... Adam. No, no, you don't need to. That's the whole idea of the show, isn't it, Carl? So, you know, absolutely. Uh, and that's what makes a market. Look, um, you're absolutely right. Revenue has been lumpy. Certainly the COVID um, testing has slowed down here in Australia compared to the next company that we're going to talk about, which is uh, getting a lot more in Europe and US and all those kinds of things. But here for genetic signatures, I like the story. The revenue for uh, sales revenue for last year was $28 million, was up 151%. So it actually did okay. But yeah, those expenses are coming through and their margins are pretty good at sort of 60 to 70% as well. But the, I think that the issue is with the market is there's potentially that they're just not seeing or understanding how genetic signatures makes, uh, makes a lot of its money. They do have um, an infectious, I'm going to say this wrong, but gastroenteritis within FDA approval at the moment. And they're starting to look through that. That's something that could certainly lead to uh, a larger... Um, uh, revenue size going forward but certainly the SARS thing and, and COVID thing is what everyone's been sort of talking about and that's probably potentially why the story has moved to the flat line is is that we're going to see less and less testings you know as we come into summer potentially winter we might see those things start to pick up again but I'm going to stay with it I own the stock I like the stock I think it, it, it is one of those ones that will do well um, so it's a buy from me but uh, full disclosure I do hold this one myself. Thank you. Adam, appreciate it. Okay, let's get on to Sonic Healthcare. You've both alluded to it. We got an update yeah. coming through this week, a trading update. Uh, earnings year to date up 16%, revenue up 5%. Not providing earnings guidance for FY22, I will note, but we've had the brokers out looking pretty positively on it. In fact, we've got Jefferies lifting its price target to 4860 um, it says that, look, we're likely going to see a rise in COVID-19 testing. That's Jeffrey's analysis. What do you think about Sonic Healthcare, Adam? Well, yeah, it goes exactly to what I was just saying about here in Australia, that the, the COVID testing is falling. But over in the US and Europe, where certainly Sonic is definitely one of those ones, uh, one in pathology, but also in testing of COVID is starting to, to rise. Look, this one's been a cracker. I, you know, I remember this a long time ago. I think it was sort of 12 bucks, $15. And yeah, it's just done really, really well. It's a great Australian story. 
uh, pathology has, has really kicked on. Um, most brokers have sort of now started to upgrade their price targets. Most brokers have got price targets around sort of 42.50, sort of where it is at the moment. At the uh, yeah, it's where the price is at the moment. So, and you're right, uh, Jeffrey's uh, Nadine is at 48.60. Um, I think the Australian side of things is benefiting, uh, well, uh, has benefited from COVID-19 testing, and that's certainly, it's up 70% on previous corresponding periods. So it's done very, very well. And Europe, the Sign Lab, as well as they've agreed to upgrade their revenues forecasts uh, going forward for Europe. And, and the US peer group uh, has also done quite well. Also, most brokers are staying overweight on this one. I'm going to say hold. I think uh, it's had a fantastic run. If you hold it, don't don't get rid of it. But the only the reason why I'm saying it's a hold, the dividend uh, is is around two percent. Um, you don't get a lot of healthcare stories that are giving actually some good dividends in there as well. So I think that's what's certainly supporting the share price. It's a hold from me. But not cheap enough to buy, in a nutshell. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes, is, yeah. is the answer. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I can understand that. Easy, Carl. <laughs> easy for you to to get positioned in Sonic. Would you be buying now? Uh, yeah, it's it's not an easy stock to analyse because there are just so many unknowns going forward as to what the rates of COVID testing are going to be down the track. And having said that, there is a, a very very solid uh, and growing underlying business. So of course, we've got medical imaging, the uh, pathology business as well. Um, incidentally, just uh, I know bring it back to the testing because let's face it, that's what people are going to talk about now. Um, they have their own PCR test, which, you know, competes with the genetic signatures. So just I'm not trying to um, uh, dissuade people from genetic signatures. I'm just saying there are, there are other um, test options out there. And, and, and Sonic obviously has their own one. Um, uh, look, brokers are, are so confused on this one. If you look at the broker consensus, which I, I do like to pay attention to, and then I say, well, this is my idea of it. So some of them are saying, you know, 35% reduction in FY22 earnings on the back of, you know, uh, testing falling. Uh, and then just looking at my other screen here, you know, about 10 or 15% FY24, and then you're only getting sort of back to growth in FY25. So uh, if, and then you've got Jefferies who will have a different number in the uh, different number in the cells in their spreadsheet. So they might only say, well, you know, earnings will be flat. And that's, that's how you change the valuation. That's, uh, you know, out pops the valuation at the end. So it uh, depends on where you think testing is going to be. Personally, I think um, we're, we're going to keep testing. I think, you know, even... Uh, when 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 COVID's on, starting to be on the back burner and fingers crossed that happens, you know you, you, you'll still get a sniffle and you'll still need to go want to go and get a test. Um, but then balancing that, there, there are other methods of testing which uh, are, are not uh, Sonic's, I guess, forte as well. So there, there's so much going on. I better get to the point here. Um, it's I'm, I'm so I'm so I'm so close to a, to a buy on this on the chart. The chart looks fantastic. Fantastic in that it's pulled back to the long-term trend. It's heading back up again. Um, but we talked about candles before, and there I just I counted them. And I, 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 honestly, viewers, go have a look at this chart with the candlesticks. And this is so rare; you can't see it on screen. But 45 out of the last 57 candles have been black. It's extraordinary. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this before. What it tells me is that the market is so conflicted. The stock is going up, but at the same time, it's going down. You get a black candle when the stock is up, it opens higher. So in some cases, gapping higher because there's all these positives. But as the day progresses, somebody's coming in to sell and it closes way below its open. So it shows how conflicted the market is, but net net, the, the trend is still very, very strong. I don't think I've come up with a buy hold or sell yet, have I? I'm no, I was going to say, what, what are you, 
What are you I, saying I, I, here, I'm, Carl? I'm as, I'm, as con, I'm as conflicted as the market is on this one. The chart looks great. Um, the valuation is fairly neutral. So uh, I'm a hold. Hold. Yeah. Black is bad in candles. Our producer now knows. Thank you for that, Carl. Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals for Vince, P-A-R. Carl, have a go, please. <laughs> okay, Paradigm. Uh, so these guys have, uh, hopefully, again, another, fingers crossed, Australian success story technology. Out to yeah, the they've world. got a bunch of um, old pharma that they're looking to mm. repurpose, correct? That's right. So it's an anticoagulant drug. It's been used for many, many, many years uh, and, and, and proven safe and, and effective in that application. So they're repurposing it for uh, osteoarthritis. Uh, the phase three trial is targeting um, knee, knee pain and uh, then it can be used for other um, things later on. So we've, got, we've done phase one, phase two. So we've proven uh, safety and efficacy up to a certain point, And then we're going to re reinforce and, 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 and reiterate that with the phase three trial, which should start early next year. It's going to run for 24 weeks with another 36 weeks of um, observation after that. So we're probably back half of, uh, of calendar year 22 before we're starting to get the results. The market did pop up on the back of the fact that the FDA approved uh, the trial commencing because there was a question mark over whether that would proceed. It has pulled back significantly after that pop. Um, in terms of uh, whether, uh, look, I, I'm actually pretty confident phase three, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here, as you said, Nadine. So I'm pretty sure that they'll get something happening here, but then it comes down to whether um, there's enough money in it to justify the mm -hmm. uh, market cap of 500, 500 million as it is. Um, back of the envelope stuff, because that's the best you can do here based upon what they think they're going to sell, um, how much they're going to sell it for and who they're going to sell it to. At 20 times sales, 400 million market cap, I'll give you a hint, Pfizer's at five times sales. And if you go up to something like an afterpay at 40 times sales, then you could have an 800 million market cap versus 500. So you've got this huge range of uncertainty between $1.65 and $3.60, and it's about smack bank in the middle. Um, so it's not compelling enough on that basis for me to call it a buy. I think there's enough in it to call it a hold. Got it. How about you, Adam? Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals. We get a lot of questions about this one, actually. Yeah, I'd be keen to take some, if you've got some, I'd be selling it here. I think there's further downside on this one. Obviously, the FDA approval, as Carl's rightly pointed out, for that knee and, and osteoarthritis uh, side of things certainly came uh, with a lot of fanfare, and the stock definitely rallied on the back of that. But that was a bit of a relief to shareholders. But really what's happened is, is obviously, looking forward, we expect uh, an update on trial costs. So they've had to pay for more money for, for costs to go through. Timeline on revision to temper, I guess, the relief rally. And, and I guess it's highlighted the increased capital requirements. So they potentially might need to raise some more capital. Uh, I don't think anything like this, uh, you know, I think you could pick this up at $1.80 on on a, uh, on a on a small or, as, I guess, to fill that gap that, that came in and uh, going forward. So, yeah, I don't think you need to be there. I think this has got a long way to go and potentially they'll need to raise some more money. So it would be a sell from me. Thank you. Now, Adam, I'm going to stick with you for our next company. Uh, to start, yeah. we've got Commonwealth Bank next on the list. This is for Paul. Obviously, it's been a massive week for Commonwealth Bank. Um, it was below that $100 mark. I'm just going to actually check where it is today because I know there was yeah, some buying. Yeah. Um, it still is up by six tenths of a percent, though. I mean, that that was an extraordinary move for Commonwealth Bank. So there's two really just two ways to think about it. 
If you're in it, do you sell because it's so tough out there and competition is coming? Or is there a little bit of more value in CBA because it's the market leader out of the big four? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell it. I think, you know, if you, had, if you bought it at 110, you'd still probably be licking your wounds a little bit here. But look, that first, uh, first quarter um, net profit uh, was certainly about 9% lower than overall what the market expected and certainly largely was due to the net interest margin. Now, the net interest margin is the difference between what they can get money for and what they lend money out to, and that's the margin. And that margin has been certainly squeezed. There's a couple of things we know that the, the banks, not just uh, Commonwealth Bank, but the rest of the banks have been raising their fixed interest rates quite aggressively over the last sort of three to six months. And I think even Westpac, I think the other day, raised it another sort of uh, raised it a couple of times in the month. So they're sort of potentially looking for that sort of interest rate rise going forward. Look, CBA has always traded on a premium and has always traded on a significant premium to its relatively to its peers. So we, I believe that that premium remains significant despite the share price fall. Look, you know, you always want to invest in the in the in the in the number one stock or the number one stock in the sector. Like if that's Afterpay or if that's Commonwealth Bank, I think Commonwealth Bank has got its technology definitely down pat. They know what they're doing. Um, they certainly are, are very exposed to home loans, and certainly as interest rates rise, whether that's I think I think we've got the Fed saying 2000 or RBA saying 2024. Yeah. We've got the banks saying 2023, mm -hmm. and we've got the market saying 2022. So someone's going to be right in, in, in any of those uh, numbers. But certainly, I think Commonwealth Bank will, should be able to weather that storm a lot better than the rest. If you were looking for to buy a bank, I still think that uh, Commonwealth Bank is a good buy, but I wouldn't be here. I think it's, we might see, and I'll be interested to see what Carl says. But I think there will be some more deterioration on that price. I'd look for something like a Westpac. Uh, I think that uh, obviously had a big fall the other day, and that's certainly something that you could sort of. I think there's more value in that one as well. So for me, Commonwealth Bank uh, not here. It's certainly a hold. You don't sell it because the thing's done very, very well. Uh, it will continue to do well. They're moving into. I think they just made an acquisition, or they put 400 million into Gemini, which is their Bitcoin partner. I like the way that they're moving in this space. I think that they're doing everything right. Uh, so for me, it's a hold. Uh, but I, I think Westpac's probably better value at these levels or uh, around here. Got it. All right, Carl, in the interest of time, can we do buy, hold, mm -hmm. sell based on technicals? Because I think Adam painted the fundamental picture quite well. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, look, I mean, a bank after my own heart moving into crypto, very exciting in terms of the chart. However, look, it's taken a bit of a hit. It's not a sell. I, I, you know, again, horses for courses. If you're a long-term self-managed super fund uh, holder, why would you sell CBA now? Is it a buy and where can you buy it? No, I don't think it's a buy yet either. Um, when you get those big sharp uh, moves on the chart like that, you tend to get a little bit more unless you get a very quick bounce. We haven't had a quick bounce. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think you're getting a bit more. 90 is looking like a very, very interesting um, area. Um, so maybe that sort of 90, I, I wouldn't wait till 90, 91, 92 is probably where you could pick it up if you haven't got it, if it's the only bank in your not, in, not in your portfolio yeah. yet. Got it. Thank you, Carl. All right, we've got to Lucky Last, which is Beach Energy for David. David just wants a view on beach. So, Carl, uh, we've got oil prices rising, energy prices rising mm. right around the world. Is now the time to be in something like a beach? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah look, possibly. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of um, tailwinds there for it. It's one of those ones, a bit like New Farm, that has struggled in the past operationally, particularly, uh, well, this year has been terrible for it. Um, 
obviously viewers can go and research why that is the case. I do think it's on the right side of its issues, though, and and, and I think sort of the, the recent um, uh, commentary it, it made is, is is moving us towards that thinking as analysts. Uh, on that basis, um, I think it has the ability to capitalise on a very attractive valuation. You know, I've got about 160-ish on my fair value target. The brokers are actually more bullish. They're about 165. Um, brokers are very positive. 10 out of 13 buys. Uh, the only thing holding me back is the chart. Long-term downtrend, short-term downtrend. I'm seeing some stabilisation around a key support level uh, here at that sort of 125 level. Um, if it starts to push up with some nice white candles, maybe through 130, 135, I might be more interested. But until then, it's a hold if you've got it, not a buy. Thank you. How about you, Adam Dawes from Sean Partners? Because I know energy has been a big theme there. Uh, you know, called it actually pretty early, just going by memory. Um, but, you know, yeah. again, we continue to see most of our discussions come back to energy, come back to price inflation. Yeah, so I'll make this one quick because I know we're on time pressure, Nadine. But listen, this one, I've got three things to say and then I'll sort of leave it at that. I think it's a hold. Um, the only reason why it's not a sell is one, oil price is moving in the right direction. And certainly I think oil price will get over 110 if it's not this year. Sorry, this year, it'll be certainly early next year. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing is, is that Matt Kay has just left. The CEO has just left. So I've, there's uh, a lack of guidance in the company as well. And then the only thing that's really sort of keeping that whole position is there is seven group holding with a 30% stake in it. Potentially, they might see some value there and they might take a stab at it with a 30%. They've got it pretty much mopped up anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a hold. Um, if you've got it, stay with it. But, yeah, I, yeah, 90 cents would be my level to pick that up. All right. Adam Dawes, Sean Partners, Carl Caprilinga from Think Markets. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this Friday afternoon. It is always a pleasure to speak with you. We had some agreement. We had some disagreement, which disagreement. is always yeah. good. I'm looking at genetic signatures, uh, but we always get there in the end. Again, uh, got a great smiling picture of Carl up on screen. So, Carl, hope you have a good weekend. Adam, I hope you have a good weekend, too. We'll see you down at the studio soon. Definitely. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, I'll just recap for now. New Farm. Well, Carl says that it isn't a much better... Actually, that was number five. Forget about it. Genetic signatures. It is a sell for Carl. He says the financials are not great. The charts aren't either. Adam says, yes, the revenue is lumpy, but he likes the story. He likes the margins. He holds this personally, so keep that in mind. It's a buy for him. Sonic Healthcare, it's a hold for both of my guests. Adam says it has been a cracker. It's got a 2% dividend. It's got this COVID exposure in the US and Europe, but how long will that run? Now, Sonic Healthcare is a hold, uh, but Carl's very conflicted. He says it, it's extraordinary. He's never seen so many black candles, 45 out of 57 black. Extraordinary. So he's conflicted too. It's a hold. Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals, P-A-R for Vince. Uh, Carl's got some confidence around its phase three trials in the U.S. It's a hold for him. It's a sell, though, for Adam. He says there's likely further downside, likely to raise more capital. $1.80 is where you'd look at it. Now, CBA, it's been a big week for CBA. And um, look, it's, it's not a buy for Adam yet. It's a hold. You want to hold the biggest and best in that space. But he'd prefer Westpac if you're looking for a bit of growth and a bit of upside. Now, look... It is a bank after his own heart, says Carl. It's moving more significantly into crypto. It's a hold for long-term SMSF 
portfolio. It's not a buy for him. He says around $91, $92 looks more interesting. Beach Energy, you just heard them speaking about it. A hold for both. Interesting to note, Adam was confident enough to put a oil price forecast out there. $110 is where he sees it going to. Uh, look, Carl says it's on the right side of some of its issues, but he wouldn't be buying it. It's a hold. That brings us to the end of the call. Again, thanks to our guests. Thank you for nominating those companies. It led to a good discussion. You can email us your ideas for conversation at the call, osbiz.com.au. Tweet to us at osbiztv. And you can always check out that portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Thanks to our partners at NapTrade. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.